We're turning your Bibles to Revelation chapter 13. We're continuing uh, in our study, and we're seeing, you know, we've seen the whole thing as we're going through it. And uh, this morning, we're seeing the rise of what we call the Antichrist. And he's really, in the book of Revelation, he's called the beast that comes up out of the sea. And we'll see who he is, what is going on. And he has a goal. His goal is he's powerful. He's possessed by the devil. He's the beast from the sea. His goal, he, he persecutes the nation of Israel and other believers and, and is a religious, political, an economic leader. He wants to rule the world. And, and we've been seeing that some of him, in fact, we talked about just a little bit about him last week. But as we go through and we're going to look at the chapter 13, we're going to also see somebody else. We're going to see someone is also known as the false prophet, the beast from the earth. And so it's a little bit different. We'll see how that ties together. So in this passage, it's one of the most famous passages in the Bible because it deals with the Antichrist and the false prophet and the devil and the mark of the beast 666, all those kind of things, and all that ties together. And we'll see it as we, we go through. Well, let me start with this. We've all seen graffiti, and, and some graffiti is good and some's you know, not, but you've seen it on bridges and things where it'll say, Bob loves Sally or something like that. And I think as long as there are men and women attract to each other, there'll be signs written in place saying somebody cares for somebody. The reason I brought this up is because in Pompeii in 79 AD, after they've now uncovered everything, they found written on the wall, a man had written this. He said, I love a girl and her number is 545. Now, he's not talking about a phone number, as we know. He's talking about a, a numerical value to their name because both the Greek language, uh, the Hebrew language, and even Latin has numerical value, values. Like in, in Greek, alpha, beta, gamma, you know, one, that'd be one, alpha is one, beta is a two, gamma is a three. And then in Hebrew, uh, you know, Aleph, bet, gamma, one, two, three. And so if you, 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 could, you could take a name and you could, based on the letters and the numbers, you could make a numerical value. And a lot of people have looked at that because we're going to see in this passage, there's this name or the number of the beast is 666. And throughout history, people have always said, okay, I'm going to, you know, who's, who could be the Antichrist? And they take names and they put numbers to him. I remember somebody was saying, or I remember reading that Nero was, that they thought he was going to be the Antichrist. Hitler was going to be the Antichrist. You can think about my name. Just say JB. That's a nine and a two. So I'm, I could be 92, I could be 11, I could be 29, whatever, you know, who knows. Well, the number of the beast is 666. What does this mean? How does it fit? Well, we're seeing all this. Let me, do, let me give you some review for a lot of you, as we can, maybe, some, maybe the first time today or something. Let me give you a review of where we are and how all this fits together. Here's the flow of the end time events. Jesus came to the earth, died on the cross, paid for sin, rose again, and con you know, conquering death, and sent it back into heaven. We're in what's called the church age. One of these days, it could be any second, Jesus Christ is going to come in the clouds. It's called the rapture. He's going to take the church off the face of the earth. All of us who have believed in Jesus Christ for eternal life will be taken off the face of the earth in a moment, in a twinkle of an eye. If you're out there and you have never believed in Jesus Christ for eternal life, if Jesus came right now, I would hope that everyone in this room would be gone. And if you, you have never believed in Christ, you would still be here. And so what happens is the church is taken off the face of the earth, and then there is going to be a seven-year time period called the tribulation. The rapture of the church does not begin the tribulation. The rapture of the church is taking the church out. There's going to be a ten-king federation. One man will come to power. He will make a peace pact with the nation of Israel, and that starts the tribulation. He makes the peace pact for seven years. Halfway through, he breaks the peace pact, and he claims to be God. We'll talk more about that in just a second. The book of Revelation deals primarily his especially starting with, verse, with, with chapter 6 
all the way through the rest of the book, all the way through 19, deals with this time period right here. At the end of the seven years, Jesus Christ comes back as the King of kings, Lord of lords, sets up a kingdom, rules for a thousand years, then there's a thing called the great white throne judgment, and then eternity. So where, as we're studying the book of Revelation, the highlight basically is this time period. We have another little chart that we use. This is the seven years. There's the first three and a half years that's called the tribulation. The second three and a half years is called the great tribulation. The peace pact is made at the very beginning with the Antichrist and the nation of Israel as found in Daniel 9, 27. It starts, and in the first three and a half years, what we've seen so far as we've looked at the book, it starts with peace, it goes to war, it goes to famine, and goes to death. 144,000 Jewish believers, 12,000 of each of the 12 tribes, believe in Jesus Christ and begin to proclaim Christ throughout the world. Halfway through this tribulation, as we've been looking at the book of Revelation, we think halfway through, the devil has a war, as a war with Michael the archangel. Michael the archangel wins and knocks the devil out of heaven. He cannot be in heaven anymore. He comes down, and that's when I think he, he possesses the Antichrist, the man called we call the Antichrist. We're going to see today that there is a aspect of it that maybe the Antichrist dies and comes back from the dead. He claims to be God. He puts his idol up in the temple. He's, that's called the abomination desolation, Daniel 9, Matthew 24, and that begins the second half of the tribulation. And we've seen some of those aspects of that in other parts of the book of Revelation. It's not, it's, the book of Revelation is not necessarily a numerical order. They're a chronological order. It's, a, it's different and it flows. So we've seen the first three and a half. In fact, Revelation chapter six gives us the entire overview. We've seen the last half in some of the other aspects, and we're going to continue to see that. So today, when we look at our passage, it's probably going to be right here where the Antichrist puts his idol up in the temple and claims to be God, and the false prophet is there with, with him. And then, of course, at the end, Jesus Christ comes back. So that's where we are. That's kind of the big flow, and there's a lot of things going on. And so we're going to see that, uh, and, and this is what's weird, is halfway through the tribulation, Antichrist obviously either dies or they think he's dead, and he comes back. He's demon-possessed, claims to be God, idol up in the temple, and that's what we're going to see this morning. Let me give you this as the outline of our passage, and we're going to go fairly quickly through it. Uh, the first 11 verses deal with the Antichrist, 12 through 15, the false prophet, and then the last part deals with the mark of the beast, which is the, the mark of the, the Antichrist. How does it fit? So let's look at chapter 13, beginning, uh, we'll just look at verse 1. I'm going to go quickly through some of the things we saw we saw some of this last week, and then uh, in the weeks past, we've touched on some of this, so we'll, we'll show you how it fits together. Chapter 13, verse 1, <clears throat> and the dragon stood on the sand of the seashore. The dragon is the devil. And then John sees, and he says, I saw a beast coming up out of the sea, having ten horns, seven heads, and on his horns were ten diadems, and on his heads were blasphemous names. Now he sees this beast coming up out of the sea, and we find out in Revelation chapter 17 and 18 that the sea means the, the mass of humanity. This one person comes up, ten horns, seven heads, ten crowns, and, and he's, he's coming to rule. What we realize is he's, he's coming out, there's going to be a ten-king federation, he, and he comes out of that ten-king federation. So let me show you, he has a... 
10 horns, which is the 10 king federation, seven heads, which means this is the seventh Gentile world empire. We'll talk more about that in just a second. And then the dragon, of course, is the devil who gives him power. Now, we've seen this already, but I want you to understand seven heads, 10 horns, and seven crowns. You don't have to turn there. I'm going to flip over to Revelation chapter 17. And by the way, that's a drawing that somebody has, and it has the, the seven heads and the 10 horns and the crowns. And, he, and we're going to see that he's got like, like a leopard, and he's got bare feet, he's got mouth uh, looking like a lion. And that's what that beast looked like to John when he saw it. Now, what is all of this? What is the, this? Well, the seven, the, the seven heads basically are the, is the seven Gentile world empires. There's been Egypt, Assyrian, Babylon, Medio, Persian, and the Greeks. That's five. When John wrote this, the Roman Empire was powerful, and then later Romans fell, and then this Ten King Federation is what we call the revised Roman Empire. Now, it's so that you can understand this. I'm reading to you from Revelation 17, and John writes, here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits, and they are seven kings. That's the seven Gentile world empires. He says, five have fallen, one, two, three, four, five. One is, and one is to come. And so if, for you to understand, you know, what, what's going on there, who, these Gentile world empires, and, and there it is, seven kings, five have come, one is, that's at the time of John, that was Rome, one is yet to come. And that revised Roman Empire is going to be a ten-king federation. Later on, it says in Revelation chapter 17, he says, the ten horns which you saw are ten kings who have not yet received their kingdom, but they will have authority as kings with the beast. And so what we realize, and I'm going back to chapter 13, is that there's going to be a 10-king federation, and coming out of that is the Antichrist. He's going to have the power. This is now the seventh Gentile world empire. That's why it's the seven, seven heads and all that kind of thing. And so we're going to see how that ties together. Notice the description in verse 2. And the beast which I saw was like a leopard. We saw that. His feet were like those of a bear. His mouth like was a lion. And the dragon gave him power and his throne and great authority. I want to go back to verse 1. He has blasphemous names. That means he talks bad about God. That's what that means. The dragon has given him his power. So this man of sin that comes to power in, in this time period will be controlled by the devil. And we're going to see that he'll be actually possessed by the devil. And so here he is. And notice something that, that's really amazing when you look at verses 3 and 4. It says, I saw one of his heads as if it had been slain, and his fatal wound was healed. And the whole earth was amazed and followed after the beast. And they worshipped the dragon. Why? Because he gave his authority to the beast. And they worshipped the beast. Why? Because they say, who is like the beast? Who's able to wage war with him? So in verse 3 it says, I saw one of his heads as if it had been slain. Literally in the Greek it says, slain to death. And it says that he was killed. And so the question really is, did he die? Did this man die and come back from the dead? It says, I saw one of his heads as if he had been slain. Some say, well, it doesn't mean he was slain. It just looks like it. But there's another place where it says his fatal wound was healed. And there's another place. In fact, in Revelation chapter 13, verse 12, it says, and they worshiped the beast whose fatal wound was healed. We talked about this last week, but here's the bottom line. There's either only two options. Either it looked like he was dead. He didn't die, but he looked like he was dead. And everybody thought he died and came back. Or he actually died. And God raised him up from the dead. And the reason God does because Satan can't give life. Jesus, God is the life giver. And God could raise him from the dead if he chose to. 
Now, Satan's, Satan's always corrupts everything and always tries to copy everything. And when you think about it, we're going to see that there's, there's uh, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Well, Satan has the Satan and the false prophet and the Antichrist. And then we see that Jesus died and rose again. But what does this man do? He dies and rises again. So Satan tries to copy everything that God does. And so we saw one of his heads as if he'd been slain. And did he die? And everybody went, oh my gosh, he died? Or did he look like he died and everybody thought he died? And this verse says, I saw his head as if it had been slain and his fatal wound was healed. And the whole earth was amazed and followed after him. They're going to worship him. They're going to follow after him. The whole earth was amazed. When did this happen? And let me tell you, here's what I think. And we don't, we don't have, the Bible doesn't tell us exactly but the best that I can put together is when Satan is removed from heaven with his battle with Michael the archangel and he's kicked out. He knows his time is short. He knows he's only got three and a half years. I think he comes down there. The Antichrist dies and comes back. And then the devil possesses him and he becomes the world ruler and claims to be God and puts his idol up in the temple. That's what I think is going to happen. And I think this is when it happens because we're going to see in the next verse that uh, he has, uh, a couple of verses down, he has 42 months, which is three and a half years. That's the last part. So they worshiped the dragon who gave this authority to the beast and they worshiped the beast and they said, who's able to, to deal with him? But why? Well, they can't because he's unique. He's powerful. The unbelieving world will worship the dragon and the beast and they'll say, who's like him? He died and rose again. We can't, we can't stop him. Now look at verse five. There was given to him a mouth speaking arrogant words and blasphemies and authority to act for how long? 42 months. That's three and a half years. So he comes with great blasphemies. He speaks against God. He says bad things. But a blasphemy is to say bad things about God. And let me tell you, when he claims to be God, that's a blasphemy because he's saying, I'm God and God's not God. And that's a blasphemy. He claims to be God. Let me give you some verses. Look at this. This is what Paul wrote, 2 Thessalonians. He says, let no one in any way deceive you. If not come first unless the apostate comes. And then a, the man of lawlessness, that's him, is revealed, the son of destruction. He opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat where? In the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. That's called the abomination of desolation. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9, it says, that is, he is the one whose coming is in accord with the activity of Satan. He's demon-possessed with all power, and signs and false wonders. Well, that's who he is. And it says that he has the power to act for how long? 42 months, that's three and a half years. That's the last half of the tribulation. So the best that I can understand is the, after the devil is removed from heaven, the Antichrist basically comes, either dies, now fakes his death, and comes back, claims to be God, puts his idol up in the temple. And that's what we're seeing, and that, that's what Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 24. He told the Jewish people, when you see the abomination of desolation, run for your lives. And that's what's going to happen. The Jewish people, he's going to go after them. We saw it last week that the Antichrist and Satan wants to destroy the Jewish people. Notice again, verse 5, it was arrogant words, blasphemies, and authority for 42 months. Look what it goes on to say. And he opened his mouth in blasphemies against God to say bad things about God, really, to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle. That's the, that's the place in heaven that is those who dwell 
in heaven. So he's saying some really, really bad things. And then notice verse 7. It was given to him to make war with the saints. That's believers. Now, some people get confused. There will be many people believe in Jesus Christ during the tribulation. Many. 144,000 Jews, 12,000 each of the 12 tribes. They're proclaiming it. The nation of Israel as a whole becomes believers. They believe in Jesus Christ as their Savior. There will be people all over the world that will hear the message. They understand. You'll be gone. They will remember what you told them. They will believe in Jesus Christ, and he will go after all of them. He's going to go after them. Look what it says. It was given to him to make war with the saints, that's believers, and to overcome them, that's to kill them. And authority over every tribe and people and tongue and nation was given to him. And so we're already seeing that he's a political leader. He makes war. He's a religious leader. And we're going to see more in just a minute how he ties everything together as the world leader. Listen, if you talk to people right now, you know what, you know what a lot of the people in the world want? They want a one world government. They want everything to come together. Uh, there, there are all these people saying, what we got to do is get everybody together. I mean, there's, some, there's some, some famous people in this world that says what we need to do is get less than a million people on the face of the earth, a billion people on the face of the earth. What? We're going to wipe out a whole bunch of people? Yeah, they want one world government. They want to rule it all. They want to be the elite and everybody else. I mean, there's a guy I listened to on the radio, and he said something like, he says, you won't own anything, but you'll be happy. No, I'm going to own what I want, and I wouldn't be happy if they take over our stuff. And that's the plan. And it's going to happen right there because he's going to come to power and take over the world. He's going to be the religious leader and the, uh, the political leader, but there's even more. Now look at verse 8. All who dwell on the earth will worship him. What? Well, no, we've got to keep reading. All who dwell on the earth will worship him. Everyone whose name has not been written from the foundation of the world in the book of life of the lamb who has been slain. He says, unbelievers will worship him and believers will not worship him. Listen, if you, when you believe in Jesus Christ, your name is in the book of life. Now, I want you to understand something. When he says the book of life that's been written from the foundation of the world, one thing you have to understand, God is outside of time. He deals with us in time. But everything's, the end is from the beginning. He knows everything and everything's done in one sense. And so when you say the Lamb's Book of Life, which was written before the foundation of the world, that's because God is outside of time. Listen to this, that where it talks about something before the foundation of the world, we got three main things. Jesus Christ was the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Believers have their names in the book of life before the foundation of the world. The kingdom in Matthew 24, 34, the kingdom was prepared before the foundation of the world. All he's saying is God is in control. He's working all things according to the counsel of his will and it's all outside of time. God is not looking down to say, ooh, what am I going to do next week? He's outside of time. And in a sense, Jesus was slain ever before God ever created everything because it's outside time. And so he says that believers will not worship the Antichrist, but unbelievers will. And he gives a warning in verse 9. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. Listen to what's said. If anyone is destined for captivity, to captivity he goes. If anyone kills with a sword, with a sword he must be killed. Here is the perseverance and the faith of the saints. He's basically saying God is going to bring to pass whatever he wants. God is going to judge the world. And these people who are killing, the people who are led for captivity, they're going to be in captivity. The people who are killing, they're going to be killed. All of that stuff's going to happen. And here is the perseverance and the faith of the saints. He says, we have to trust God. God is in control, okay? So that's all he's saying. God is working, 
And so we've seen this Antichrist. We call him that. If we really want to get biblical, we just call him the beast, the beast out of the sea. But most people don't know him by that. And so if I said to you, beast, you could say, which beast? But if I say Antichrist, you all know. Everybody says, oh, wait, that's the Antichrist. So we're calling him the Antichrist. In the book of Revelation, he's called the beast. But he is in other places called the Antichrist, so it's okay to do that. Now, let's meet somebody else. Let's meet the second beast. And he's the false prophet. Look at verse 11. Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth. And he had two horns like a lamb. And he spoke as a dragon. So he sees someone else coming, the second beast. We call, and you could look at me and say, where does it say he's the false prophet? Because it calls him here just the beast out of the sea. Well, if you see in Revelation 19 verse 20, here's what it says. And the beast was seized and with him the false prophet who performed the signs in his presence by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two, look at this, these two were thrown alive into the lake of fire which burns with brimstone. We are happy about that. That's Revelation 19. We're going to all be really happy when we get to Revelation 19 because it's powerful. And the beast and the false prophet are going to be cast into the lake of fire. But when you first see him, he looks like a lamb. He looks gentle. But it says he spoke as a dragon. He may look like a like a lamb, but he speaks like the dragon. And notice he has all the authority of the Antichrist. Verse 12, he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence, and he makes the earth and those who dwell on it to worship the first beast whose fatal wound was healed. See, his plan is to make everybody worship the beast or the Antichrist. And he says that he died and rose again. He died and rose again, so you've got to worship him. And that's his plan. Now, there are four things. We're going to see it, and we'll see it quickly. There are four things that the false prophet does. Number one, he does great signs, wonders, and miracles. Look at verse 13. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down out of heaven to the earth in the presence of men. He does these miracle-type things. He's doing it in the power of Satan. He, he, he can call down fire. Now, that's, he's trying to look like Elijah. He's trying to look like one of the prophets of God. He, he's trying to be like God. In fact, everything you see is the, is the counterfeit Satan trying to be like God. Satan wants to rule the world. Satan wants to have the, 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 the beast, and he wants to have the false prophet. He wants to rule everything, and he's going to want to rule the world through the Antichrist. That's the plan. But it's, it's false, and it'll never work. And watch what happens. He performed all these signs in the presence of men. Then there's a, a second thing that he does. He deceives the people who dwell on the earth. His plan is to fool the people into thinking that the Antichrist is the one to be worshipped. That's his plan. Notice what it says. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth because of the signs which were given to him perform in the presence of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who had the wound of the sword and had come to life. So it looks like he died and came back. And he says, I want everybody to worship him, everybody to follow him. In 2 Thessalonians, it says this, this is the one whose coming is accord with activity of Satan, with all power and signs and false wonders, with all deception of wickedness for those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth as to be saved. For this reason, God will send upon them a deluding influence so they will believe what is false. When people continue to reject in the tribulation, God will allow them to be fooled. 
People are still responsible, but he's going to let them be fooled. And it says that he causes everyone, he says he wants everyone to, to dwell on the earth, to make an image to the beast, and to, and to, uh, to worship him. Well, this image, what in the world is it? It's an idol. Look at this. He opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God of object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as God. And listen, there's going to be some kind of image, and it's going to look like the man. Here is the Antichrist. There's going to be an image that's going to look like him, and everybody demands to worship him and him, worship that, that image and worship the beast. And if you don't worship them, you die. And the best that I can tell, I think this image is a robot. I think it's, a, it's because it's not a person. It's a statue. It's something that looks like him. Notice what it goes on to say in verse 15. And it was given to him to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast would even speak and cause as many as who do not worship the image of the beast to be killed. It says he gives breath. Now, let me put this. This is the third thing. Uh, it, it looks as if the idol is alive and even speaks. It looks like the Antichrist. And they're demanding people to worship. And this, this, be, this thing talks. And I, listen, I, if you've been watching, if you've watched, the, there's robots out there now that look like people and talk. I think it's going to be an AI. It's going to be uh, artificial intelligence. I think it's going to be, if you go back 100 years ago, that couldn't happen. It can happen today. And that's what's going to happen. And they're going to, and look at this right here. It says, uh, well, let me go back to something. Uh, notice the verse where it says, and it was given to him to give breath to the image of the beast. That's not life. There is a Greek word zoe. We get zoology. Zoe means life. This is a different word. This is a word for breath. It doesn't say that they gave life to the image. It says they gave breath to the image because only God can give life. And so it, it, it speaks and causes all kind of things. And, and, and so we're already seeing now there's one world government, one world religion. Well, watch this. There's going to be one world economic system. Watch what he says in verse 16. And he causes all, the small, causes all, the small and the great and the rich and the poor and the free men and the slaves to be given a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. And he provides that nobody will be able to buy or to sell except the one who has the mark either the name of the beast or the number of his name. He says, here's the fourth thing that he does. He makes everybody identify with the beast. They have to take the mark. The mark's on the right hand or the forehand. Now, that means that if you're a believer, you're not taking the mark of the beast. You're running for your life, and you're going to have to figure out how to wait to eat, buy or sell or eat or something. If you're Jewish, we already saw that, as Jesus said, when you see the abomination of desolation, run for your lives. We saw last week the place they're going to run to is called Selah. The Jewish people are going to free for their lives. Anybody else that's going to get caught is going to get killed. That's what's going to happen. And you might say, why would he say, put something here and put something here? Well, if you understand Jewish history... Jewish people were taught to always keep the Bible in your mind. And so Jewish people, even today, they take these little boxes and they put scripture in the boxes and they put it and they tie it around their wrist or they put a box right there and they tie it around their head. And so they have this little box sticking up, which is the word of God. And they're basically saying, I'm going to keep God's word in my mind. Well, what does the beast and the false prophet do? They tell you got to have something here. And something here, it's always counterfeit. It's always counterfeit. And so it says that you can't buy or sell. 
In fact, that's what verse 17 says. You can't buy or sell anything. And so now he is ruling the world politically, religiously, and economically. That's who he is. And he's ruling the world. And so let me just say this because of time. What's this false prophet like? We've seen the beast already. Well, the false prophet is controlled by Satan, has authority and power, promotes worship of the beast, performs signs and miracles, deceives the world, and has the power to kill. That's who he is. He's evil. He's evil. Now, we end up with the, one of the most famous verses in the Bible that everybody knows about, and that's verse 18. It says, Here in his wisdom, let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for the number is that of a man, and his number is 666. He says, Calculate the number. The number 666, the number of men. That's the number of the Antichrist. That's what he's basically saying. And so people all throughout history have said, okay, can we find a name that adds up to be 666? And that's what they've tried to find. It's not going to happen until this man's there. And he'll have that. And I think people will either have the name of the person or 666 written. That's what they're going to have. Now, let's talk for a minute about the term Antichrist because I mentioned a while ago that he's not called Antichrist in this, but he is called the Antichrist in some other places. It's the man of sin in 1 John 2, 18. It says the Antichrist is coming, and he is. He's a world ruler. So sometimes when you see the term Antichrist, it's referring to this person. Also, we find out that anyone opposed to Christ sometimes is called and Antichrist is found in 1 John, 2 John, Matthew 24, and they even say that there are many Antichrists, and that doesn't mean they're this man. It means they're opposed to what God has to do, and especially opposed to Jesus Christ. So we see that as well. Well, let me end. Let me give you a couple of, of, of applications to think about. First one is, let's just realize that there is great evil in our world. Satan is the prince of the power of the air, the prince of the power of the world. We're studying angels and demons on Wednesday night, and we just now got to Satan, and we talk about all his names, and we talk about that he's the prince of the power of the air, he's the god of this age, he's the god of this world. All three of those things mean something different. But he is the prince of this world, the god of this age, and he, he, God has allowed him to control us. And so in the tribulation, there's going to be the beast and the false prophet and demons, and there's even demons now, as we all know. So just remember and realize that there's great evil in our world, but God is in control. And that's where we get to the second thing. Let's understand that God is working in the events of our world. Even the end time events, even the Antichrist, even the false prophet, all the judgments, even though God, God actually sometimes uses demons to bring judgment. We're seeing it in the book of Revelation. I want to remind you of the chart, how everything is flowing. Jesus died and rose again. We're at the church age. We're going to be gone. There's going to be this terrible time and God is in control and he's working it according to the counsel of his will. And one of these days after we're up there with him, after the seven years, Jesus will come back. Revelation 19, beginning at verse 11. He will set up a kingdom and rule for a thousand years as the king of kings and the lord of lords. Then there'll be a judgment and then there'll be eternity and he will rule for all eternity as the king of kings and the lord of lords. So there's some really good stuff there. The third one is just to understand that God's justice will prevail. He said it back in there. He said, those who are destined for this, it'll happen. Those who kill, they'll be killed. God is going to deal with those who do evil. We see this evil world. We see what happens in the tribulation. But just remember in Romans, it says, God will gain the vengeance. Not us. He will right all wrongs.